Bravely Being, a podcast for sisterly conversation where we unpack life shit, stress, loss, emotional turmoil. We've all been there and it's normal. We believe it's time to bring these issues into the light, delve inward and move forward. So we welcome everyone on our journey and hope our conversations resonate with you as we lean in, listen and learn from each other. This is Bravely Being with Danica and Megan. Felt like switching it up today. That was impressive. Dang. Okay. Um, this is episode three, uh, Perfectionism. Yeah. Perfectionism's not fun. Everyone deals with it. So I'm glad to talk to Danica about it today. Yeah, with my imperfect intro. <laughs> You're in, what are you talking about? You're beautiful. Thank you. And I'm I not biased or anything. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the idea for this podcast came um, to me, I think maybe like two weeks ago when some, I was talking to someone in my Artist Way group, which is, so the Artist Way is a book that is also a 12 week process where every week is a chapter and you do all these different activities and such. And I'm doing it with a group of people virtually. But anyway, we were talking about the idea of perfectionism. And someone posed to the group, um, she said, I identify as a perfectionist. And how do I stop being a perfectionist? Which was kind of an interesting question. Um, I had never really thought about it. So it kind of got my mind rolling as to how does one change those patterns of behavior what do those behavior patterns look like and so on and so forth yeah that's a lot (laughs) and that's a big question to ask a group of people Mm -hmm. but good intentions of course um because I think anyone who suffers from perfectionism definitely feels trapped and wants a way out yeah and it's weird because our society kind of is like oh perfectionists are great you know they have the best grades they get into the best colleges they do the best um in the workplace but really like perfectionism can be such a big curse for people that identify as being a perfectionist and um so it's it's an interesting double-edged sword there of like society is like it's great but then the people that identify as as that can I don't know. They can I, not enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I completely agree. And I think to name that double-edged sword would be um, to name one side perfectionism and to name the other side high achiever, you know, mm-hmm. because I feel like um, I feel like my brush with perfectionism is very heavily intertwined with the fact that I like to win and that I like to achieve and I like to um, see my successes like in front of me through like my career and through, um, other people. So I feel like it's a very fine line that gets blurred Uh often. (laughs) So would you consider yourself a perfectionist? Oh, 100%. I learned that in therapy long, long, long ago. (laughs) What about you? Do you think you're a perfectionist? Thanks therapist. Shout out to Brooke. (laughs) Thanks Brooke. Thanks, all the therapists. Thanks, yeah. Pat. Talk to you today. Um, <laughs> I would identify as being not that much of a perfectionist. So it's kind of been interesting in working with you, Megan, because I've noticed this difference between us. And it's something, especially when you're working as a team with someone that you have to kind of identify and uh, work through together because... Mm-hmm. Um, different ways of doing things, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And different expectations. Yeah. And I feel like as a perfectionist, I'm really deeply detail oriented. So like that definitely would show up (laughs) in, you know, all of what we do with Bravely Being. Um, But, you know, it's um, evident in probably everything that I do 
um, just because I always have these expectations of where I want things to be. And sometimes my problem is that I forget to communicate what that expectation is. And so I, I think everything kind of comes back down to communicating like what your vision for something is or what you have planned in mind before being, I don't know, um, facetious or, you know, getting frustrated with someone if they don't understand, you know, they can't read my mind. And that's something I often forget. So. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like in my experience, I've felt at times that I've had to be perfectionist because I've held myself to very high standards, you know, in school and in where I want to go in my career. But my two years in Peace Corps kind of, it kind of kicks the perfectionist out of you Mm -hmm. or it either kicks it out so that you don't have that um, mindset or it's kind of loosened a little bit or you do like the opposite route where you become even more of a perfectionist (laughs) and you try to control all these things that you can't control because in Nepal like I was two days away from Kathmandu and like that is the place where you would get kind of any material that you would need for any kind of training or any kind of just program that you're trying to put on so you really had to let go of any kind of control and to me to be a perfectionist you have to have some kind of control and I think that's where um the need for therapy kind of comes in because um I think to kind of relinquish your perfectionism habits or perfectionist habits you have to learn to kind of let go of that control at least what I've learned in my life you know Mm -hmm. but that is very hard (laughs) yeah and I would say like I understand relinquishing control is really hard especially as a teacher when many things are like out of your spectrum of control but that's something that I'm still befriending you know Um, but as a first year teacher that was the hardest thing for me was you know letting go of that plan of how I want things to be um and, you know, kind of surrendering <laughs> to the chaos um, and then realizing it's actually not that chaotic. It's OK. Yeah. So I think, you know, people with perfectionism, they definitely hold themselves to very, very high standards. And I think the I mean, that can be really good, of course. And but that could also be kind of detrimental because there's always that thing in the back of your mind that what you do is never good enough and that you could always mm-hmm do better and prove and it's always a nagging feeling which even though I say I'm not really a perfectionist I still have those um feelings especially when I'm like today I was doing some graphic design work and I was like this should not be like this this should have more contrast this should be here blah 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 blah. you know trying to put myself yeah. you know I'm pitting myself against what I see on Instagram which so many people do in so many different ways um or social media in general so I feel like you know s- social media is a big uh catalyst for this perfectionism showing up in people our age or younger or older well just people <laughs> yeah so I would think to add on to that in addition to having high standards it's also having unattainable standards. I think that's what kind of treads the line of a perfectionist, someone who does it all the time and like moments of perfectionism. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. It's unattainable. Um, yeah. And that unattainability will ultimately lead to, Failure. happiness right mm-hmm. yeah failure and yeah and feelings of depression anxiety eating mm-hmm. disorders you know self-harm all the things that yeah. um, come with that feeling of unhappiness and and failure because you feel like you're never good enough you know mm-hmm. and I think everyone has a bit of this in them if not identifying specifically as a perfectionist um but yet society is still, in my opinion, labeled perfectionism as, as being a good thing because it means you have a good work ethic, but it also means that you have that 
unattainable expectation for yourself and possibly for others too, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And I mean, on top of social media and like obviously the pressures that society puts on you, it's just to think about like at a very young age, we see these images of perfection, you know, displayed in what we watch as children. And, you know, another thing that pops up here for me is body image, you know, like you grow up seeing all the skinny princesses or like um, also on top of that skinny white princesses, you know, um, you see this vision of what the media is saying is beautiful. And, you know, that's an unattainable beauty standard for most bodies, normal body types, you know? Yeah. That makes me think of that video that Lizzo posted the other day that was like her fake crying and she was like, what's it like to be obese? Yeah. My, my bank account is so, so obese. obese. Yes. <laughs> my house is so obese. Yeah. I have to walk across my obese kitchen to get to my obese fridge full of obese, delicious foods. I love like, her. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Queen. Queen Lizzo. so good. I love the like fake tears and just like, yeah. wiping it away. <laughs> She's so dramatic. I love her. Yeah. Also, speaking of, of Lizzo, sorry to interrupt. No. Um, speaking of Lizzo, when I was in Nepal, <laughs> I'm literally going to talk about Nepal every time. Um, <laughs> I participated in Nepal's first official drag show and I danced to a Lizzo song with my friend Noah and it was amazing. Well, if so. you get to bring up other countries, I'll say Danica introduced me to Lizzo when we were in Taiwan. So <laughs> that was the first time I listened to Lizzo. I never heard of her. Yeah. <laughs> it was so fun. I thought that, that yeah, that was hilarious because I had heard of Lizzo before Megan had and uh, I was in literally in Nepal. But I think the first time I had heard of her was from another um, Peace Corps volunteer because they had done like this really funny video of them dancing in the mountains literally in the Himalayas like dancing to a Lizzo song and I was like who is this girl <laughs> she's amazing and then I showed her to everyone oh, and she's cool. Megan also got obsessed so yeah I got to see her in concert it was it was a lot of fun I got to go see Lizzo with my lovely friend Heineka shout out to her she's my longest standing best friend we met in um, middle school throwing shoes to each other in PE because there were no balls to be had um, <laughs> yeah what? PE class no balls um, so we threw my shoe back and forth how sad is that thanks Florida public education system um, but yeah that's how we met and Weird. here we are were you, like, playing volleyball with the shoe? We were like, just throwing you... it back and forth. We were playing, like, toss. I don't know. Oh, that's kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. Friendship still stands. Go to Lizzo concerts. She sounds like a perfect friend. She <laughs> is. That's my transition back to perfectionism. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <right>. Good one. <laughs> uh, that was, like, it... not even a dad joke. That was, like, a step dad twice removed. It was like so embedded in there I actually didn't notice the reference. (laughs) Sorry. What are we talking about? (laughs) We need one more good pun by the end of this podcast. No pressure, Danica. Mm, This pun cast? That should be an actual podcast where they just talk in puns like it's a language and um, you have to (laughs) try to interpret their puns. Um, Bravely being spinoff puncast. <laughs> the puncast. There is the purcast with Stephen Ray Morris, uh, which is all about cats. Yeah, it's almost perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's so lame. Okay, so on to our topic back again. Keeping us on track. Um, Yeah, so as a self-proclaimed perfectionist, Megan, what would you say are some of the symptoms or like identifying factors of being a perfectionist? So symptoms of perfectionism. Hmm. Um, I guess this may be more of a byproduct of like an after feeling of perfectionism, but like always feeling like you're a failure. I think is a direct link to um, perfectionism. I don't always feel like a failure, but like that thought crosses my mind probably more than the average person. Um, I would say maybe obsessing over tasks. 
um, i.e. like if, you know, I'll put it in teacher words. If you have a lesson that you just don't feel like is good enough, you're just going to keep working and working and working on it um, obsessively until you probably still don't feel happy about it. But, <laughs> you know, you uh-huh. get to that wall. Um, what else? Maybe like racing thoughts would come to mind, too. That could also cross over with anxiety. Yeah, that was a very good list. I am cheating because (laughs) I have the Healthline article that's all about perfectionism and the symptoms. And you were pretty spot on on a lot of them. And I think it's kind of funny because this Healthline article poses perfectionism as kind of a disease. You know, it has causes, symptoms, and treatment. So I thought that was kind of interesting because I haven't really thought about perfectionism as a type of mental illness or a type of, I don't even want to say mental illness, but just a rut that people can get into in their thought processes and uh, the way that they carry themselves through their life, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Um, So the first thing that you said, Megan, was feeling like you felt everything, um, like feeling like a failure. So that is definitely a symptom of perfectionism. And that's kind of, I think, the motivating factor to be a perfectionist is like, or maybe it's this vicious cycle of like, you try, 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 try really hard, and you're still going to fail. And you still feel like you're failing. Even if you do a good job, you're like, well, I could have done better. You know, it's this Mm -hmm. continuous circle. And also, if you procrastinate regularly, um, you might resist starting a task because you're afraid you'll be unable to complete it and complete it perfectly, you know? Um, Do you feel like that's true, procrastinating? procrastinating? But Uh. it's kind of this double-edged sword, again, of, like, becoming obsessed with a project or becoming obsessed over something, but still managing to procrastinate. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I feel like, you know, my the way perfectionism has intertwined its nasty self into my life will be different from anyone else's struggle. But personally, um, I would say, yeah, that that has happened to me before that that resonates with me. But again, it could embody itself in many different ways. Yeah. And another way that it can show up in someone's life is um, if someone's very controlling and in personal or or professional relationships, just relationships in general. Um, again, that feeling of control, of feeling satisfied with having that control, but also I feel like having that, that control is never really enough because you feel like inevitably things are going to go wrong or things are going to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Would you say that's pretty right? When it comes to relationships, I would say like my really close relationships um, only because and this is something that, um, you know, has come across in my relationship with Michael. And I don't think he would mind me sharing this with um, the world. But, um, you know, sometimes I feel like being in a committed relationship, sometimes I start to hold my significant other to my really high standards or like as Danica kind of brushed on earlier, you know, sometimes she sees that in me, like when I'm working closely with someone, I think it pops up more because, you know, if I'm working towards a project or if I'm like, you know, project like bravely being, or if I'm working towards like, I don't know, living with Michael, which is a daily thing, um, since we live together, um, you know, sometimes I, the line for me gets a little blurred in my expectations, my imaginary expectations versus other people's expectations, and then finding that happy middle ground. And and it comes down to communication. You know, um, if there's an expectation that really matters, you know, communicating that, you know, this needs, you know, I want this to be a certain way because X, Y, and Z. Oh, but I I need to accommodate for the other person. Yeah. And that makes sense. Would you feel comfortable in like, is there an example that you could share with us in like your interpersonal relationships in regards to perfectionism or 
nah. I mean, I think it's just little things, you know, like the dishwasher. We'll start with the dishwasher because that's a very (laughs) low-level way to interact with perfectionism. Um, And my mom says this about my dad, (laughs) too, sometimes. Like when Michael puts his dishes into the dishwasher, I often go in there and I'm like, this looks like a mess. And I go in and I reorganize it. (laughs) Oh and it, you know i i give him crap about it all the time because it sometimes the things he does is really silly but other times what he puts in there is like pretty normal yeah that'll bring us to our next topic but i also wanted to say side note that you guys when you were here visiting you i noticed that the dishwasher was very well loaded <laughs> it was perfect Thanks to me. It was me. I did that. <laughs> it was very neat. Um, I'm a dishwasher yeah, queen. Everything got clean, I think. <laughs> which is something I just throw my dishes in the dishwasher. Yeah, so uh, does Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Love you both. I feel you, Michael. <laughs> so, two happies and a sappy? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I will go first this time. And um, my first happy is that I downloaded Adobe Suite for the first time, honestly, Mm -hmm. ever on my own personal computer because I've only used like the college computers or my company's computer um, for Illustrator and InDesign. And I did the seven day trial because I hate subscriptions and I don't want to pay $20 a month or a week yeah no wait what at $20 a month (laughs) which I feel like is just a lot I just wish I want to go back to the old days of Adobe where you could put in the CD to your computer (laughs) but anyway that's not really an option now they have this subscription whatever um that's how I feel about Lightroom yeah literally everything all of them is subscription I guess they have to make money but if they could do it in a different way (laughs) I don't know. Um, the sappy is that I'll have to eventually pay for that program after the seven-day <laughs> trial is over. Yeah. And um, my other happy is the past two days, the weather has been beautiful on mm-hmm. Cape Cod. It's been like in the 50s or 60s, and uh, it's been like light jacket weather, to quote, you know, miscongeniality. <laughs> All you need is a light jacket. Um, and I've gone to the beach in the past two days. I've been to like five beaches. Like Dolly and I have just hit up the beaches and she's only found one dead bird and stolen (laughs) one lunch from a bunch of teenagers. Um, Okay, so that's my happy Zanessi. Which is definitely an improvement we have to recognize. Because I think for some birds, she does like them dead birds. That's that's another story for another day. Um, All right, my happy is that I returned to teaching from the building this week. Um, We don't have any students yet we're still teaching virtually but I'm in my classroom space and um I guess it's kind of a it's a happy but also a sappy because it's brought out a lot of emotions too that have been dormant for a little bit um because this Saturday March 13th has um been a year since I last taught kids normally that's been a lot to unpack, even though I am so happy at my new school and so happy to be there. And I love my students and, um, you know, everything about it is definitely it's the right choice, no doubt. But at the same time, I'm still processing that hurt from a year ago of not getting that closure with my students that I loved oh so much at that school. So um, that's my happy sappy. My last happy would probably be that since I've been working from the building and, you know, haven't been home as much when 
I come home, like River is so excited to see me. And also we've been keeping him out and he's been doing a good job. He's been a good boy. So very proud of him. And it's been really sweet now that Michael's working full time at a plant nursery. Um, He also is kind of feeling the same way. And so when he comes home, it's a lot sweeter. And we're we're appreciating our time in, in the evenings more because we are away during the day. Yeah, that's exciting. And I'm excited that Michael has this new job and you get all the free plants. Yeah, soon. (laughs) I keep telling him this week he's got to bring home a surprise plant. And so I'm hoping later on this week I'll come home to Yeah, bring home all the dying plants that are in need of TLC. You know, he he was talking to me about his like nursery plant responsibilities as in his new job. And so he's walking around the nursery. One of his jobs is to like look and see if any of the plants look sad or look unhealthy. And then they literally go to a plant hospital. I was like a plant hospital. That's what they call their little area where they take care of the plants a little bit more intensely than they do. Um, out in the nursery I was like plant hospital so cute that reminds me of like the American girl doll hospital if you like hurt your American girl doll oh yeah (laughs) that's a whole part of my brain that wasn't unlocked until you said that (laughs) I forgot about that did you have an American girl Um, doll yeah I had kit kit Did you have one? I did. I think I had Kirsten. She's the one who has the little braids around her ears, like Leia. I liked her hair. (laughs) I think that was the only reason why I got her. I like her hair, too. And she's got bangs. She do. Which Kit also had bangs. Yeah, let us know what American Girl doll you had, or if you had, I don't know, your favorite? favorite dinosaur toy whatever toy you like you know i asked my kids you remember this is when we mm-hmm. we visited danica mm-hmm. on the cape um recently michael and i and we stayed for a week while i was still teaching virtually and at the beginning of each class i always ask a like random question and so michael suggested that i ask them what their favorite dinosaur was and that danica got to hear a little bit of that first period conversation you remember what I said? Yeah, she said Dino Nuggets, which is true. That should be everyone's favorite. Yeah, one of your students was like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, because you're not a child like me. <laughs> they, they're good. They're all, they're very mm-hmm. much children. <laughs> they are actual children. Sort of real children. <laughs> so back to the root of our podcast the root of perfectionism getting to the part where we talk about that and (laughs) (laughs) perfectionism so the cause of perfectionism to me when I think about perfectionism it would definitely be caused by you know in early childhood by a parental or guardian figure but I do also think that there's a lot of genetics that come to into play and also observing behavior that is modeled to you from a young age. Um, and I think expectations as the oldest child of four, I felt like in my growing up period, you know, my adolescence, my growing up period, um, <laughs> my growing I up definitely, <laughs> I felt like I had to be that model, you know, I had to be, I had to get all the straight A's and do all the sports and do all the things. And that kind of bred in me some characteristics of perfectionism. But I can also be very go with the flow of like, whatever, you know, that's so, so is life, you know, in Nepali, we would say, like, what can you do? Mm -hmm. So I kind of have both of those, but there are definitely times that I am very nitpicky about certain specific things. And I think it comes from that upbringing and that need to like, or that feeling of a need that I needed to be the Mm -hmm. role model for my younger siblings. (laughs) And I feel like a lot of people resonate with that and probably think of that trope of a parent instilled this in you, like when they think of perfectionism, you know, I feel like that's pretty common. Would you agree? 
Yeah, definitely. But I think it was interesting how you said it's probably genetic as well. You know, nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. What really is it? Well, I'm sure it's different for everyone. Yeah, and I mean, I, like, see, I'm the flip side of the coin. I my parents never expected me to really be perfect at anything. You know, like they really gave me the freedom when, like, I didn't want to do something. They said, "Okay, don't do it." You know, like. Um, when I wanted to do something, they supported me. So um, I was very thankful for that. And I never really felt like if I didn't do well at this, my parents would be upset. My, for me, a lot of it's it's me against me. Um, it's all internal and having those really high, I think it goes back to me being a high achiever um, mm-hmm. of having the unattainable achievement level that I'm, I have my sights on and like, I think back as early as, I don't know, I'm thinking back into high school, I was a junior, and I was singing a solo. I was in solo and ensemble. I always, I um, take kids through this now, you know, I teach kids to do solos for solo and ensemble, but this was my first brush with it, and it wasn't a positive one, because I didn't feel extremely prepared by the teachers that I had, and um, I didn't have the confidence. And so I remember like I got up there and performed. I was scared shitless. And mm. then uh, at the time I had a boyfriend, I just went and I cried <laughs> in the room and then the judge could see me. And like, oh. you know, I didn't do that bad, but it, it was never like, oh, no, I'm crying because like my mom and dad wanted me to get a superior. Like, you know, that was never it. Or my boyfriend wants me to get a superior. He's not going to want to be with me. Um, You know, it was all internal um, in my Mm -hmm. experience. So, yeah. And I'd say like for me too, it wasn't like, there was never that cognitive um, awareness of like, I need to do this well because I want to be a good role model. It was just like, I felt that pressure at that time of like, I need to do it because I need to be good, you know? And that kind of your experience sort of reminds me of when I was in, um, I think it was middle school. Yeah, it was middle school. And I won the school spelling bee. Not to brag. (laughs) Oh, what was your winning (laughs) word? Do you remember? Ominous. Which is pretty easy, I feel like. As soon as I got it, I was like, F, yes, <laughs> ominous. <laughs> I, I love was, that. I knew it. Like, my dad was there, and he was like, you totally knew that word. And I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> How old were you? What grade? I think it was seventh grade, I'd say. Yeah, seventh grade. And I actually was up against the sixth grader that I tutored so it was like me versus mini me um (laughs) but then when I I went to like the semi-finals for states for the uh or I guess regionals it's regionals I went to regional and I was so nervous because I put myself on that pedestal you know I I felt like I had something to prove and I felt like I couldn't get anything wrong and I had like a the first time I thought I had a panic attack and I did have a panic attack, but at the time I didn't know what it was and I was just freaking out and I was on stage and I had to run to the bathroom because I had the nervous poops. (laughs) Like I was about to poop my pants. Oh no. (laughs) It was so embarrassing. And then I couldn't focus because I like basically I missed my turn like they like called my name and I was like I'm coming and my mom came to the bathroom yeah literally I was like running back to the stage my mom was like are you okay and I was like "Ah!" it was so stressful um first panic attack or first time that I understood that I was having a panic attack and uh which of course maybe that'll be another episode but of course panic attacks can come in different shapes and and forms Mm -hmm. um but I think yeah at the time it was definitely an effect of perfectionism and needing to be perfect in this um yeah but you know traumatizing stories from the stage yeah (laughs) from the world stage from the world (laughs) stage um yeah no absolutely and that I feel like perfectionism at its core I guess its main symptom is anxiety you know because Mm -hmm. you set these you know unattainable goals you try your very very best and you never believe your best is enough and then 
in your mind you fail even though you've achieved you know a lot you know in trying to reach your unattainable goal um but you know then you end up with this feeling but the hard thing about perfectionism and i think what reinforces the process is that you always get praised for your hard work or you get praised for how mm-hmm. good of a job you've done and then mm-hmm. you attribute that success to torturing yourself in the process of perfectionism yeah that success becomes equivalent with your self-worth. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that was me trying my very, very best and I didn't feel like it was good enough. So that means the next time I have to kill myself a little bit more, (laughs) you know, to try to maintain that reputation. It's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And another quote unquote symptom of perfectionism is Um, a lot of people tend to try to hide their problems because then it is also sort of um, an aspect of shame. Well, it's definitely shame and it's definitely working with pride because you perceive yourself and you want to perceive yourself as as being a well-rounded person, as as being a successful person. So then talking about um, your problems or talking to a therapist can be really difficult for people that suffer from this perfectionism i'm thinking of the shame monster mm-hmm. um from yeah, big mouth as as i said it i was like oh, shame. It sh- doesn't shame? um coach steve call him like shane lizard because he's shame wizard shane lizard yeah. <laughs> and they're friends i'm sorry <laughs> yeah but that's such, that like i wish big mouth actually they could make a big mouth version that was appropriate for kids because I feel like it debunks a lot of shit that you unpack later on in life. And Uh I would love to help kids not struggle as much, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Well, we're all kids. And I think that watching it definitely made me feel more heard and more safe and Mm -hmm. like all of the stigmas that, that go along with like adolescence and things that you kind of keep hidden in a closet literally or figuratively um kind of the show is just like everything it's very cohesive very holistic um recommend it (laughs) um but yeah i think that takes us back to the beginning of the podcast with the question of you know how do you avoid perfectionism or how do you cope with perfectionism or get rid of perfectionism Ooh, i i have some concrete things here first off going back to big mouth the gratitude right <laughs> using that gratitude seeing like appreciating the good shit that you did during the day for instance like today i had a little bout of perfectionism because obviously i'm in kind of a stressful situation it's my first time back in a classroom in a whole year you know um so my teacher brain is like awakening in ways that i haven't moved and stretched in a very long time and that's really stressful and so my to-do list today was a mile long And I started to feel that physical anxiety within me when it got to like, I don't know, two o'clock when I'm like, oh, no, I only have one more hour. Like I didn't finish my to do list. Like this means I'm a failure. And I stopped. I took a breath and I was like, "Okay, first off, what's one thing I can do to make me happy right now? Put on some Fleetwood Mac. And then I was like, look (laughs) at all this other cool stuff that I did today. I I did a lot of other things. I taped those directionals on the ground so the kids know where to walk. I made those enter and exit signs you know like little tiny things I figured out how I'm gonna organize the front of my room and set up all my tech there was a lot of good things that happened today and so gratitude going back to gratitude thinking about I'm grateful for all the good things that I did even though I didn't get to planning next week's lessons yet that's okay you know I did a lot of good stuff today I was still productive um yeah so that's that definitely is it and also this goes back all the way to my first therapist in college Brooke um I remember her really bringing it to my eyes that I was a perfectionist and um she handed me this handout. I don't remember what the rest of the handout said, but one of the first lines was talking about like flawed thinking. And one of it was black and white thinking, 
You know, often in my mind, it's like if it's not this, it is a failure. You know, it's like if it's not all good or all of what I'm looking for, then it's automatically bad. And realizing Mm -hmm. that in between the shades of black and white, you have all this gray area of good things. You know, like just because I'm in that gray area doesn't mean I'm a failure. Yeah. Wow. Thanks, Brooke. That was beautiful. Yeah, I love Brooke. Um, Thanks for awakening me. (laughs) Brooke awakening? Brooke awakening. Brooke awakening? (laughs) Awakening? Um, But definitely, as you said, so yeah, for perfectionists, and yo, maybe I am a perfectionist because I feel this way quite a lot (laughs) of like, I feel like I have all of these tasks like so many tasks that I have to do and I put so much pressure on myself to do them and I'm like I'm gonna learn to knit today and I'm (laughs) gonna make 500 candles and I'm gonna do this and that and like things that do bring me joy but then when I'm like Mm -hmm. I need to do them it's like it just becomes a a ball of stress so um I think one way of avoiding perfectionism is like to break up those overwhelming tasks into small, tangible, bite-sized pieces, um, steps. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I am a list maker. And when I have a list and I can um, check everything off, then I just feel so satisfied. And then that's when you realize, yes, I I did tape those things to the ground. And yes, I did all these (laughs) things, you know. Um, Um, And also to add to what you just said, like with making a list, also prioritizing on that list is kind of the next level after that, you know, if, Mm -hmm. you know, your list is getting too long, like mine, I prioritize the things that I knew would make me feel better today. And I did them. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing also for perfectionists is to set realistic and attainable goals for themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, not to have those goals that are just like very I don't know you have to have some leeway you have to have some gray space as you said everything's not black and white and it's not going to be perfect you know like the book that I'm reading and I mentioned at the beginning of this um the artist's way um in that book in this chapter that we just read and we talked about perfectionism there's one line where she talks about um the painting is never going to be finished right like um, a painter is always going to want to change something or is critiquing one part or the shading is not right in this part or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the screen, like the screenplay is never going to be, or the screenwriter is never going to be super satisfied with their script, you know, everything or the is going musician, to. musician, right? The musician's yeah. never going to be satisfied with the song that they're working on endlessly. And I'm glad you brought this up because obviously that's, you know, at my core, I identify as a musician and I feel like that quest for like making a performance perfect also in a weird way fueled and reinforced my perfectionism you know? Mm-hmm. So that I'm glad you shared that from the artist's way. That's, that's a really good negative information. Yeah, that's, but then it's like, well, when do you know when it's time to just let that art be in the world? Or when do you know it's time to change from like, or change a relationship or step out of a relationship or into a relationship? Um, how do you know, like when you're ready to take those steps um I think I don't know as an artist as someone that identifies as like a a drawer painter graphic designer like I do know when I when I feel proud of it then I'm like okay I I'm not like this isn't you know Picasso level work but it's something that represents me and I'm going to put it out in the world and I'm just going to let it float and I'm going to move on to the next thing like I think trying to avoid perfectionism is trying to continue, you know, continue moving from one thing to another in a way that you continue to grow. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like to add on to that, you know, I I love that you said, you know, when I'm proud of it is when I stop. Like, I think in the music process for me, when I have that moment in 
listening or in performing where I get that little tingle up my neck, you know, like when music sounds really good. It's kind of like that physical feeling of pride or the physical feeling of happiness. Um, you know, it's literally your brain saying, I love this so much. I'm releasing all these good chemicals to make you feel good. And mm-hmm. um, for me, when I really connect with music or when I feel like I'm expressing it to the very best that I can be, you know, it's when I've come to terms and accepted me and all of my flaws is when I perform my best, you know, or when I perform my best with my students too. When I'm like, I know that phrase kind of sucks there, but man, that crescendo in the middle of the song, that sounded good, you know? <laughs> hmm Yeah. It's acknowledging that, you know, in life there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be dogs that are <laughs> making noise next to you <laughs> and not everything's going to be perfect or finding and dead birds at the beach exactly <laughs> exactly um i need to keep that in mind you know i need to know that that's like that is something that can happen you know that's a possible outcome yet i'm still positive but i'm still realistic that that might happen you know and it doesn't stop Does you from going sense? to the beach with your dog and enjoying exactly but when in talking about treatment or trying to get through perfectionism i would say that definitely it's something that you would want to do with someone else with a partner with um maybe a therapist or Mm -hmm. maybe um your friends talking to your friends family um if a therapist is not accessible to you um I think it's definitely something that does also require a lot of inner work and a lot of mindfulness you know um like as we were talking about those lists and making those big daunting tasks seem smaller you have to show mindfulness and that you are checking off that list and understanding and realizing wow that took a lot of time that was um, a lot of effort and I did really well today I did all of these things and to reflect on that and to reflect on your work in a positive way I think requires a lot of mindfulness Mm -hmm. and like I said that inner work so uh, definitely um, recommend going to see a therapist if that's something you can do. Um, but if not, hopefully something we said resonates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, just talking about it and having someone there even as like a reality check too has been something mm-hmm. that has been very grounding for me in moments of anxiety caused by perfectionism. You know, saying this is how I feel, this is what I think my work is, and then having a friend say, no, actually, that looks really good, or no, you're doing a great job. You know, um, just talking to a friend is helpful. So yeah. I guess we we kind of did our save a sister from or mister from suffering but i guess to truncate it we said gratitude right mm-hmm. um gratitude gratitude yeah go see big mouth please that's like not until the later seasons but i promise it's worth it um then we said black and white thinking appreciate the gray mm-hmm. zone in between and we talked about the the painting never being mm-hmm. finished, um, but still letting your art exist in the world. It matters. Yeah, exactly. And we're all amazing. Like, we all bring something very unique and very beautiful to the world, whether that be, you know, through art or be through just our interactions with people or our work or to have a dog you know like you are providing a home for a dog so you're making an impact no matter whatever you're doing it might be a small impact but it's like it is still an impact and to like think about it in those terms of like wow I am actually providing a great home for my dog and that's a great life for me it's like that's that's fine. <laughs> anything else can happen i'm i'm fine <laughs> yeah so you know. last one is talk to someone um we suggest a therapist but talking to a friend too is really good they'll help mm-hmm. ground you keep you tied to the or, earth when your brain is yeah. in the clouds exactly i was just going to say or you can talk to a tree you could talk to <laughs> a rock Journal. You can talk to the squirrels. You can journal. Definitely journal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can talk to yourself. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being here with us. 
And um, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us on Instagram or you can reach out to us to, or in our email, bravelybeingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can send us any stories if you have a story about perfectionism or maybe almost pooping your pants at a spelling bee then you can definitely please send them to us we would love to hear from you mm-hmm. and please follow us at um, bravely being podcast on instagram you'll see lots of very cute quotes and lots of very cute pictures of yours truly yeah and i'm gonna be one of those annoying like youtubers that it's like smash the subscribe and like and all the things but she does it in um, a cute way doesn't feel abrasive <sighs> do it if you want to and let's go ahead and tell them the big surprise what's coming soon to our um big page surprise. what is it danica what is it drum roll. like the drum roll i'm gonna prolong it no okay my hands are tired Wait. <laughs> We have stickers. stickers! You can find these gorgeous stickers by visiting our Etsy shop at www.etsy.com slash shop slash Bravely Being Podcast or by going to our Instagram, again, at Bravely Being Podcast and click our link tree. You'll be able to find stickers there too. Stickers are $5 each and 10% of the profits will be donated to the Paula Ford Martin Memorial Fund which is a scholarship fund for LGBTQ plus students and their allies in Middlesex County, Connecticut. You can learn more about this amazing initiative in episode two, where we talk to one of the founders and also one of my favorite people ever, Cass Martin, about resiliency. I think I speak for both Danica and I when I say Bravely Being has been such a fun creative project. However, there are costs to creating a podcast. If you like what you hear so far, please consider supporting Bravely Being and the Paula Ford Martin Memorial Fund by buying one of our super rad stickers. Yeah, these stickers are really good quality vinyl. They are three inches by three inches, and they are our logo and our brand, which is a ginkgo leaf. So, And if you didn't know yeah. about the ginkgo leaf, Danica, tell them about the ginkgo <laughs> leaf gospel. Ginkgo. Yeah, so ginkgo is one of the oldest recorded trees in the world, and it's actually survived like nuclear blasts. It's super, super resilient, which we are. And um, Megan and I have, you know, it's kind of popped up in our travels and in our life. So uh, Megan suggested it as our logo, and I thought it was a really good idea. And also, I think about like the two leaves or two parts of the ginkgo leaf, you know, they're kind of, they're pretty synchronistic. Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of represents like Megan and me, we're both on the leaf. (laughs) And we're a leaf um, together. Together, we are one leaf. (laughs) And of course, the leaf also has a lot of medicinal properties, um, a lot of things related to cognitive health and the brain. And um yeah, it's a super sacred tree and it's really wonderful. And we saw it when we were in Asheville when we were traveling several years ago on our first big road trip. It was just like everywhere in Asheville. And also the Airbnb that we stayed at had some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm feeling like we maybe need an episode just on that road trip. <laughs> yeah. Or just on ginkgo. <laughs> yeah. The ginkgo leaf. Whenever I see ginkgo trees or um leafs i always think of danica i think of you too and i think of ancient uh chinese medicine (laughs) yes anyway thank you for tuning into bravely being um and thank you for bravely being with us